0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post game live here on Dime Dropper in the 2023 NBA Playoffs. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms or subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper. Hit the notification bell so you know every single time I go live. You can also follow us on social media at Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. Live from Los Angeles after game two of the Lakers and Warriors second round series, an absolute chess match of some absolute legends on the basketball floor. And then after going to be talking briefly, I didn't get to watch the fourth quarter, but the game was basically decided by then of the Celtics Sixers game too. Very low attendance tonight in the live, a little disappointing so far. We've been, you know, doing bangers lately, but maybe Lakers lost and that's hurting the live. I don't know. Let's get on to it. The Lakers going into Chase Center, playing with house money. All they wanted to do was at least make the Warriors work for a victory. The Warriors, obviously, their season's basically on the line. They got to win, and it was the same situation as the Grizzlies game two against the Lakers in the last round. The Warriors just wanted it more. I know that's cliche, but they came out with more energy. First every loose ball, playing with a sense of desperation. And one thing that's consistent about the Warriors when they have desperation mode, it's more get the ball to Steph and let him either spam pick and rolls or just kind of let him get into his bag offensively on the ball. But the first quarter actually was kind of a rocky start for the Warriors. LeBron, you know, you knew he was due for a shooting night, a good shooting night from the outside any day now. And he was hitting a variety of shots to start the game. A little bit in transition. Hit a couple of mid-ranges. Hit some threes. Hit two threes right away in the first quarter. Had like five points on Steph. There was a transition spin. Um, He even hit a mid-range on a dime. Usually LeBron is a feet set guy when he's trying to hit the mid-range. But this is when he was on a dime. And when he's shooting on a dime, it's always going to his left where his shoulders are squared to the basket. But when he's shooting on a dime like that, that tells me just knowing LeBron and having watched him play more than anybody in my life, that, that's when he's hot, when he's feeling himself with that jump shot. Because um, usually he'll try to set his feet, because he knows he'll still be able to get it off at his size over just about anyone. Um, and he was really feeling himself with 14 points in the first quarter. It was actually his first 10-point first quarter of these playoffs. Um, but the adjustment made by Steve Kerr was Jermichael Green starting. That came out of nowhere. You know, we've seen Jordan Poole start in these playoffs when Draymond was suspended in that game three, and that led to him starting for a couple more games. But Jermichael Green, a guy who hasn't gotten that much playing time this season. Um, What's up, Jason? Shout-out to Jason, a Warriors fan uh, from up north. A lot of love for the Warriors fans up north, man. I I think they're great. Uh, It's the Steph stands that really, I think, mm, mud the waters of – the beautiful waters of basketball discourse, I guess. But the adjustment to put Jermichael Green in the starting lineup was obvious. The the reasons were obvious. You get a three-point shooter in there to spread the floor, so you only have one real non-shooter, and that's Draymond Green. And then you also now are not giving up as much size if you put in Jordan Poole. You at least have another guy that's 6'9 that can be in there and guard Vanderbilt and kind of just hide it in that sense. Because, you know, I don't remember them putting Jermichael Green in the action that much. And when, I, when they did, I'm pretty sure he dropped. But as the Lakers, you don't want to put Jared Vanderbilt in that screen and roll much anyway because he's not that great catching the ball and making a quick decision. Anthony Davis is the guy that you want involved in that action. And that's what they were going to. But now, you know, the Warriors made every adjustment besides the whole, I didn't expect Michael Green to start, but every single adjustment that I laid out damn near, uh, they made. Not saying I'm some genius or anything. Steve Kerr's a great coach. He's obviously going to do it. Draymond Green guarding Anthony Davis. More Steph Curry on the ball. Um, all, what I didn't expect was to only play one big at a time, like only one non shooter at a time. I thought he would still have Looney and Draymond play a couple of minutes together, but no, nah, that wouldn't be the case. It was just straight one big at all times that couldn't shoot. They always had a spacer out there. And that's what made the pick-and-roll with Steph really hard to guard. The Lakers were still in that shallow drop. And initially, you know, I still think they came out with good energy. D'Lo was playing good defense. High effort from just about everybody, you know, running guys off the line. Rui Hachimura came in and hit eight points in the first quarter. And AD defensively was still sharp as can be, affecting tons of shots. So that led to the Lakers having... And by the way, the Warriors switched Steph Curry onto Reeves to start possessions. Clay on a D'Lo. Um, but the Warriors actually led, I'm sorry, the Lakers actually led the Warriors 33-26 to 26 after one. So in that moment, I was like, man, the Warriors got to get it together. It's just hard because of Anthony Davis's presence and then LeBron was getting going. But the second quarter and the third quarter were all Golden State. 41-23 in the second, 43-24 in the third, and that put the game in the fridge by the fourth. Um Immediately when Anthony Davis came out of the game, the Warriors went on a run. Immediately. Um, Steph Curry was doing a great job with those pocket passes. And I will say this too. He was doing an amazing job just keeping the defender behind him, throwing like hezzis in there and just keeping his defenders guessing at all times. What makes it so hard to guard Steph Curry is you're so worried about his jumper because he gets an inch of space and it's pretty much going in. He gets an inch of space to get his shot off cleanly. It's pretty much going in. You really got to get into his body, try to stay attached, try not to get shifted. You know, he, there's, I think they're more, we talk, we talk about Steph not getting a good whistle. I think more of the contact that people get away with him is off the ball. I think on the ball, it's not crazy. He gets, you know, the hand check calls and the little body contact, a decent amount in my opinion. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. I know if you're a Warriors fan and you see him just get hammered all the time, it's probably like, nah, he gets no calls. I feel that way with Paul George. Um, But I think off the ball, Steph gets brutalized a little bit more. This is my opinion. Because the refs aren't looking at that as much, even though, I don't know. With Steph, they just seem to let a, let a a lot of stuff go in that sense. But he was given a nice balanced attack. It wasn't just pick and roll. You know he was still, he and Clay were still doing a great job moving off the ball, keeping their defenders guessing. Because of course they were top locking still, just like Game One, the Lakers. But it wasn't working as well because now you don't have two non spacers. You'll if you have Draymond as the initiator, the whole paint's cleared. So you get a back screen. You know you cut back door. These things are open, and Draymond did find Clay and Steph on a couple of those back cuts. Jordan Poole even got a couple of layups in that second quarter. But Steph overall was making good decisions in the pick and roll, nice pocket passes. A couple of times he passed it to the side, and then they passed it to the middle and got into the action. And Draymond Green was making really good reads and doing a good job on Anthony Davis. I thought Austin Reeves for the Lakers was pressing a bit. You know, he was he had to obviously chase Clay around screens, and Clay. He just does such a great job moving without the ball and was so good all game long, knocking down the three ball. He he seemed like he was making sh- every single shot when he got just an ounce of room. And he was doing a lot of his work off the ball. It's amazing, as usual. It's amazing how Clay just is so good at making quick decisions. And just like Steph in that sense, he doesn't need any room really. He gets his shot up when he's in that kind of mode, when he's feeling it like tonight. There's not much you can do. And Austin Reeves, as solid of a defender as he is, It just feels like Clay's a lot bigger and can just still get the shot off. Even if if Austin Reeves is second late, like getting over a screen or something, Clay's still getting what feels like an open look every time. Like it doesn't feel like Austin Reeves' contest is really there. And I thought Austin Reeves chasing Clay over screens and really trying to press, trying to foul bait a little bit. And you knew after the whole complaints about the Lakers foul disparity or that whole thing that the war I'm sorry. Yeah, that the Lakers foul disparity, you know, the advantage that the warriors were going to get some makeup whistles tonight and i thought that was as a neutral observer that i admitted that i didn't think there was much wrong with the lakers i think there were some there were some tough calls against the warriors in game 1 but there were some tough calls against the lakers tonight absolutely some tough calls but i mean it is what it is you can predict that script but Austin Reeves, you know, I'm not saying those were all uh, fouls, though, by the way, that he wasn't getting. Austin Reeves was doing a little bit of foul baiting. I just thought he was pressing. There was one time where he threw an outlet pass that was very risky. Steph Curry intercepted it, and I'm pretty sure Klay Thompson got a right wing three off of that. So the Warriors, it was very evident all game long, and most of their good work came in transition, working off of misses, pushing the ball, pushing the pace, trying to get transition threes for Klay Thompson, Steph Curry. You know, a guy who I thought did a really good job in this game for the Warriors that we've needed to see. if Well, I shouldn't say we, but if you're a Warriors fan, you needed to see this guy do something. Dante DiVincenzo. I thought he did a good job of attacking the paint, and a couple of times the Lakers were just flying by him and jumping at his shot fakes, and it's like, this guy's not shooting well in the playoffs. What are you doing? And <laughs> he was getting two feet in the paint making plays. I remember one time he had a little dump down. I forget if it was to Looney or to Jamichael. There's another time where he scored on a layup off that type of... You know, getting run off the line. And then he also hit a three. And his defense was really solid. Had a couple of hustle plays. And as I said in the beginning, the Warriors just seemed to outwork the Lakers. They just wanted this. Um in the first half, it was just Rui and LeBron with the majority of the points uh for the Lakers. Um when A D came in, they did restore order a little bit. Like the Warriors took the lead for the first time in that stretch without A. D to start the second quarter. A D kind of restored order with LeBron. He hit this ridiculous bank shot. LeBron to beat the shot clock going to his left. Um, but as the second quarter ended, the Warriors really started to create separation, and it was starting to involve LeBron in the action. Just like I said, make him work on defense. There were a lot more times where they had whoever LeBron was guarding, Wiggins, or you know, a lot of times it, were, it was Wiggins going to set a screen or getting a screen for him to come off the ball, just making him run a little bit more. And when LeBron was put in the action, he wasn't doing a very good job. This was not a very good good defensive game from LeBron. He was late to rotate a couple of times. A couple of times he didn't box out. And when he was put in the action, you know, he was hedging, but not even hedging and recovering, just hedging and just staying out of the play kind of, just lagging, you could say. And with no two shooters out there, that made it so much more ground to cover. And the way Klay Thompson was also, even with the pick and roll going on, for example, like he'd be moving off the ball, coming off an exit screen. And one thing you also saw from the Warriors is a lot of their actions off the ball for Steph and Clay Klay to come off screens was were happening on the wing in game one. Then the Lakers would top block and they'd have AD just sitting there disrespecting the guy with the ball and Draymond or Looney. Now in this game, I thought they did a lot more actions from them coming off the top of the floor. Or the middle of the floor, I should say, coming from bottom to top. Like for example, I remember Clay Thompson. I think it was in the. It was in the first half. It was in the first half. Clay Thompson was starting underneath the basket. Came under two screens first, or came over two screens. One was set by Steph. The other, I think, Draymond. Rui Hachimura was, you know, late. You know, just slow getting over them. And AD. I don't think he really expected it. He was late getting out there. Klay Thompson got a three. So you got that middle of the floor with shooters around them. So the help is not as close. A lot easier to get good shots if you're the Warriors. And as far as offensively, I thought the Lakers were using Anthony Davis much more as a screener, not as much as an initiator. And we saw in the first game, they threw the ball to AD and said, get out of the way, go one-on-one against Kevon Looney. It seemed like Anthony Davis, or the Lakers, whoever, you know. I still think it's a star's league. If Anthony Davis wants the fucking ball and demands the ball, they're going to give him the ball. He didn't want any of that smoke one-on-one with Draymond. And Draymond was really showing why I consider him the best overall defender of this generation for what is needed you know, in the game, rotations, snuffing out pick and roll coverages, being able to guard multiple positions. I think prime Draymond Green did that as well as anybody. And I think that the maturation of him, obviously Steph, but the maturation of him and him taking it to another level, his game to another level, is what really made the Warriors a championship team uh, more than anything, in my opinion. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a guy that, I used to love Draymond. Now nah, I just get annoyed with him, but I still am not going to, you know, not be objective about the way he plays. He was fantastic tonight, guarding one-on-one, being really physical. And that's the key for the, for the Warriors. If they can limit Anthony Davis, then that's it. They're probably going to win this series. <laughs> I'm going to, before I make, I want to, I don't want to, I want to save the big themes of the episode for the end. So at halftime, the Warriors led by eleven. But Jordan Poole was okay in the first half. Some bad shots, but also some buckets around the rim. Um, And the Lakers were more careless with the ball. And AD, I think, only had four points in that first half. He was getting a lot of those same, you know, one-handed push shots or foul line mid-ranges off the pocket passes that he was getting in the first game from Reeves, from LeBron, from D'Lo. Just none of them were going in. And you got to credit Draymond doing a really good job in drop, being able to play the ball handler and recover, get a hand up. But a lot of the shots... It's like AD can make those shots and was making those shots in the first game. But the third quarter was third quarter Warriors. A lot of Curry pick and roll. A lot of Draymond in the short roll. A lot of wide open threes. A lot of Lakers scrambling. And a lot of transition offense. The Lakers looked cooked in the second half. All those shots LeBron was making, he had no legs in the second half. Every single shot was short, every single shot, and he wasn't moving really well on D. Austin Reeves looked cooked. Jared Vanderbilt, he had a nightmare game in this one, and I'll tell you why. He, his screen navigation was really poor. There were a couple times where he was just taken out of the play. His denial's awesome, but he's getting taken out of the play on screens a lot, and I think part of it is because they gave the Warriors a lot more leeway um, in terms of screen setting as well with Draymond Green. You know, everybody talks about the illegal screens being set all those years. I think there were some times where Draymond got a little push or a little hold in there, and it just set Jared Vanderbilt and various Laker defenders back a second. But that being said, you know, the Lakers seemed to play the screens a little bit higher in that second half, more like a hedge as opposed to that high drop or that shallow drop, as you call it. And that was allowing Draymond Green to get behind and get into those four-on-three situations. Now, how is that happening? Well, Jared Vanderbilt's getting taken out on the screen. So now AD has to play two guys at once, and now you're forcing him to get out into space, which is exactly what I said the Warriors are going to try to do. The thing is, the why the shallow drop kind of collapsed and stopped working, a couple reasons. One, as I said, Vando's getting taken out on the screen. Two, I think AD got really discouraged with the fact that he wasn't making shots, and his activity with his hands, his body language, his ball pressure was just not as alert, not as locked in. He he was just kind of standing up a little bit more straight. He'd only have either one hand up or one hand in the passing lane, not using both hands. But part of it is you got to give credit to Steph Curry. He was really keeping him on his toes. There was one time where he was driving, I think he went behind the back left to right, and then he pulled back between the legs. He had AD on his heels and that you know, you really get to see the brilliance of Steph Curry's handle in nights like these, man. He just has counters. I don't think he wastes dribbles. So many guys today waste dribbles. He is so deliberate to me with his handle. And part of it's because all he needs is this much uh, daylight. He can put the shot up and that's it from anywhere on the floor. You know, it never ceases to amaze me. A guy that shoots so many threes still all of a sudden will take a mid-range out of nowhere and it's cash. And I love the way he doesn't neglect any part of the floor. There are times in the regular season where sometimes I'll be like, Steph, like take a mid-range bro like you've got that in your bag like take the floater and he just still circles around relocating for a three but when it comes playoff time he knows some of those relocation looks are not always going to be there you've got to take what's there when you're one of the greatest players of all time and you get a look at the basket because all you need is a look at the basket when you're Steph so part of it was yes poor screen navigation from the Lakers what seemed like more of a hedge as opposed to the shallow drop but still the Warriors, were when they were able to make that pocket pass, part of it is the spacing, you know, the difference with Jermichael Green. Credit to him, was able to knock down those corner threes, was able to cut to the basket when the Lakers' defense was falling asleep in transition, get a dunk in that third quarter. And Steph Curry was also doing a really solid job of taking care of the ball. The amount of points that he created, amount of good shots that he created, whether on the ball, off the ball, hockey assist... I want to say about 27 to 28 of those buckets were created by Steph Curry. That's just an estimation. But the Warriors shot 50.5% from the field and 50% from three. So 40% from three the first night, 50% the second night. And, you know, I said, are they going to be able to shoot 40% every single game? Sometimes I got to remind myself this is the Warriors we're talking about. These are some of the greatest shooters that we've ever seen play this game. The greatest with Steph. As far as if Clay's second or not, that all depends on what you consider shooting and how much you encompass. The reason why Steph Curry is the greatest to me is because it doesn't matter what kind of shooting you're talking about, really. It's only, yeah, he doesn't have a post fade. Big whoop, he's a guard. You know, comes off screens, off the catch, off the bounce, step back, you name it. From anywhere on the court, long distance, short distance, corner, you know. Even, he's the only player I've ever seen that just throws that shit up there. and Sometimes it doesn't even look like he's looking at the basket. Just throws it up there and he's, oh, it's good. It's, it's unbelievable. So credit to the Warriors. Credit to Steph. Absolute um, like baller performance. But Klay Thompson, too. Like He was finishing his transition threes. And the defense for the Warriors was just physical, alert. It was a championship kind of response. Andrew Wiggins also active on the glass. Draymond Green active on the glass. I remember there was one time he went over the top of AD and tipped the ball to, to I think it was Poole, underneath the basket. So Draymond, just an absolute masterclass class from, from him. Um, as far as the bench guys, you saw Dennis Schroeder. I thought he did some, had some good defensive moments, but he was 0 for 3. And a couple of dirty plays, grabbing knees, turning the corner, going to his right. I was surprised he didn't get dinged for a flagrant on those. Those are actually dangerous plays. Troy Brown, 8 minutes. Donut, really quiet. Wenyan gayroll, just those 3 minutes. Rui Hachimura, 21 points, 5 rebounds, 8 for 14 from the field and 4 for 6 from deep. Really good offensively, but defensively was at fault for a couple of breakdowns and a couple of hustle plays where you know he just got beat on the glass by a Draymond or a Looney who looney didn't actually play that much the only 12 minutes but he had eight rebounds in those 12 minutes three of them offensive so finding a way to make his impact when he could and he was rolling really well sending really good screens both draymond and looney set fantastic screens tonight but divincenzo it's funny he didn't shoot end up shooting well but what a good game i thought he had eight points four boards four assists on three for nine shooting two for eight from three jordan Poole was a little quieter he played less than divincenzo in this one 16 minutes Six points, four rebounds, three assists on three for six shooting, zero for two from three. And Moses Moody, you know, he's really athletic, man. He's pretty athletic. And I saw, I loved his activity on the glass and defensively, and just his hustle. Ten points, seven boards, two assists. See how many of those are offensive? Only one offensive rebound. Three for nine from the field, but two for three from deep. The Warriors outscoring the the Lakers 43-24 in the third quarter, and the game was in the fridge after that quarter. So the Lakers just looked like they ran out of gas. But the Warriors, you got to give them credit for all the adjustments, putting LeBron in the action a lot more, and that was giving them a lot of good shots as well in that third quarter. Um, LeBron, he just didn't have it in the second half, didn't have it defensively in this game. But Austin Reeves also cooked in this game. Just wasn't on his... Wasn't on it on either end. Just getting I think he just looked a little tired. He's been playing a lot of minutes, fighting Clay Thompson over these screens. When the Warriors push the pace, Lakers are in trouble. How do they push the pace? Get stops, create turnovers. They were able to do that. D'Angelo Russell. Thought he was okay. Ten point, And his defense has been really good in these playoffs, honestly. Really using his body well, moving his feet and his been. It's always about effort. It's easy to hide 6'5 on defense, 6'5 with long arms. You just got to be engaged. D'Lo had 10 points and 8 assists on 5 for 12 shooting, 0 for 3 from deep. The Lakers shot 29% from 3. So, again, the Lakers not shooting well from downtown. Um, but they're not a very good 3-point shooting team. They shot 42.6% from the field. They still only turned the ball over 9 times. Warriors turned the ball over 15 times, but they were able to get the win 127 to 100 to tie the series at one. Let's see. Talked about Schroeder. Talked about Troy Brown. Rui Hachimura. Austin Reeves, just seven points, three for 11 from the field and one for five from deep. It was just struggling on both ends. I mean, look, this is his first time in the playoffs. He's playing against the champs. It's going to be a, You know, he's going to have some tough games. He's got to try to not force it, let the game come to him just a little bit more. And I think he will. I think he's going to have a good game in Game 3, honestly. Jared Vanderbilt, it was a tough one for him. Just navigating screens was really difficult. Um, I still think, you know, keep him on Steph, but when he and Schroeder are in together, I think Dennis should probably be the one to guard Steph. I feel like he could just fight over screens a little bit better. That's what he's good at. Vanderbilt, though, is fantastic denying it. He does add length and size. But you let me know, Liquor fans, what you think. If they're both in the game, who do you want as the primary defender, Vando or Dennis Schroeder? He had a tough one, and offensively just didn't look confident at all either. Two for seven from the field, one for two from three, and the Warriors are going to keep letting him get the ball, keep letting him shoot shots. 6.6 boards for him in 20 minutes. Then the Stars, LeBron James. Really good first half, um, but defensively just wasn't fully there, and that's part of part of because the Warriors made him move. And they're going to continue to do that. Keep putting him in the action. Keep making him run around screens off the ball as well. He had 23 points, seven rebounds. I think like 19 of those or 21 of those were in the first half 10 for 18 from the field, three for eight from deep. He just lost his legs. All the shots were short in the second half. But we got to have a conversation about number three 11 points, seven rebounds, four assists, a steal in three blocks, four of the nine turnovers. 5 for 11 from the field and 1 for 1 from the line. The Lakers were 10 for 17 from the foul line. That's just 59%, which is pretty abysmal. They still shot one more free throw than the Warriors, who shot 10 for 16 from the line, 62.5%. As far as the free throw misses, 1 for Vando, 1 for Rui, 3 for Tristan Thompson, that doesn't really matter, and Max Christie. So ignore those, honestly. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. This is what I always tell my boy, Fabian, Prospect TV, who's in the chat. It takes, since the 2020-2021 season, I've noticed this. Because 2020, he was pretty damn good every game. But Anthony Davis, a lot of times, like I want to say 75% of a season, and we've even seen that in the playoffs, he needs a bad game to be the best version of himself. It's like an every other game thing. He's like, oh, this game he's a beast, top five player in the league. Then he's like, okay, you know, I'm just going to act like a totally different player tonight on both ends of the floor, especially offensively. Then the next game, he's back. He's a beast again. And that's just not what true superstar number one options do. And that's a big reason why I'm still hesitant to think that the Lakers can win the championship. I think they have a great chance of going to the finals, but... It's because we don't have... This is not the same LeBron as 2020. And it's normal, man. He's like 38 years old. He was in year 17 then. Before Solomon Hill, you know, fell on his ankle. That changed a lot. Even though he still averaged 30 points, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. To me, if you really watched LeBron before that, it was a little different. You're going to get LeBron still being a beast. He's still going to have his great games. He's still going to be able to be a good closer, I think. But Anthony Davis... These games come down to him. They've always come down to him. It's all been about AD here in Los Angeles since he's arrived. When he is the best version of himself, the Lakers are extremely hard to beat. You are unlikely to beat them. And he's a top five player in the league impact-wise on both ends. Truth. But when he plays like this, well, then the Lakers can lose very easily. It all comes down to Anthony Davis. What do I think is going to happen in game three? He's going to be a dominant. The Lakers will probably win. It's insane. As far as the Warriors, let's see if I missed anybody off the bench. Talked about Poole. Thought he was all right. DiVincenzo, really good. Moody, really good. Let me check the plus minus and see if anything stands out. Nothing crazy. DiVincenzo, plus eight. Kevon Looney, plus 11. The starters, though. You know, Jamichael Green only played 13 minutes and had 15 points. Talk about production! You know, his presence really changed things. You got to credit Steve Kerr so much on that. I don't think any Warriors fan would have had that in mind. A lot of people were saying Kuminga gets some athleticism in there, but he had a guy who, by the way, I'm a huge fan of. I don't know how many dime dropper episodes that were where had Jamichael Green involved. You know, you have to go back to my glorified summer league episodes in 2020. But Jamichael Green. Was an awesome Clipper. He was really great in that 2019 season when we got him midway through it, and then in the 2020 regular season he was a beast. In the playoffs he was good until, you know, what felt, what I called the second round curse at the time. Just he was under it and he started missing everything. I'm pretty sure he missed like a he not I'm pretty sure he missed a wide open fucking dunk in that you know game seven stretch where we just could not buy a basket. But tonight, and I was sad to see him leave to Denver. I truly was. But tonight he was awesome. So I'm really happy for him. Making the threes, especially in the beginning of the third quarter. Six for nine from the field. Three for six from deep. 66% and 50 from three. You'll take that all day. How about Andrew Wiggins? A really solid defensive game. A game high plus 35. 11 points, four boards, four assists on three for eight shooting. Two for four from deep. Nothing out of the ordinary. Solid game. Timely shots. But I think he can even be better. And then the big three. You know, they were just phenomenal. This is why they haven't lost any series together healthy since Kerr has taken over. Draymond Green was just spectacular. Both ends of the floor. Making his moves in the short roll. Taking shots. He had a wide open 18-footer. He was actually looking at the basket. That's what you saw him do in games five, uh, 4, 5, and 6 of the finals last year. It all comes down to Draymond looking at the basket, too, for the Warriors. When he's a threat offensively, changes everything. 11 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists, just 1 assist away from a triple-double. Man, that would have been one of his most complete playoff games ever, in my opinion. And that's saying a lot because he has had some great ones. 50% shooting for him, 5 for 10, only one 3-point attempt. He was 1 for 4 from the line, though. Only in 28 minutes. He killed it. He killed it. How about Klay Thompson? Just amazing. 11 for 18 from the field. 8 for 11 from deep. I mean, he just wasn't missing. A lot of transition threes. A lot of threes coming off screens. He was His movement off the ball is just unreal. 30 points. Three rebounds. Not much of any other category, but you'll take it, man. And I thought his defense was pretty solid, too. Did a good job against Reeves. Uh, and, and a decent job against D'Lo when he had to guard either of them. Off to a solid start this series. I mean, he didn't shoot very well in the last game. But... Let's see, he shot, what, 36%. Yeah, he didn't shoot very well in the last game, but he was pretty aggressive. 25 points in the first, 30 in the second, so, so averaging, what, 27.5 points for the series? Pretty good to start for Clay. And then Steph Curry, what a complete game for him. 20 points, 12 assists, 4 rebounds. Three turnovers, a little Chris Paul or Magic Johnson. eh, Magic would have more rebounds. But (laughs) Chris Paul kind of stat line, 7-for-12 from the field, 3-for-5 from deep, 3-for-3 from the line, incredibly efficient. The way he was navigating those screens, using hesitations and changes of pace, both Clay and Steph, changes of pace to keep the drop defender or the guy who was putting the action on their heels. And just making him think. And Steph's pocket passing was so good. So many hockey assists. Manipulating the defense. And we got to give a lot of credit to Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr outcoached Darvin Ham tonight. He made his adjustments. Had Jermichael Green in there. Only kept one big in um, that could shoot, of course. I'm sorry. One big that couldn't shoot in, of course. A lot more Steph Curry on the ball, which I think is, you know, it's always down to Steph. He's going to make the decision he wants what he wants to do, have the ball. And, you know, Jared Vanderbilt, his full-court pressure, you know, when you're not pressuring Steph and he gets a ball screen 50 feet out and you're going over the top and you're not connected to him, if he's coming off with no resistance, now he has all the space to make the pass. Whoever the big is, whether it's AD or whether it's LeBron that's putting the action, they need to step up. And when Draymond gets the ball – on the move, going downhill with all the space in the world, you are screwed. And that's when a couple of times he's making some really good reads, whether it be the corner guy or dumping it off to the guy in the dunker, whether it be Wiggins or Looney. Not Looney. I don't think they played together tonight. Wiggins. They, actually, they did at one point, I believe. I'm pretty sure I remember Draymond dumping it off to Looney at one point in the game on a pump fake or AD bit. But – just great stuff, great adjustments for the Warriors overall, doing you know a lot of their actions in the middle of the floor off the ball with Klay and Steph. They were still able to mix in some motion. It wasn't just like they were just doing strictly pick and roll. So credit to the Warriors for really mixing it up. Um, and no Gary Payton minutes, I don't believe, in this game either. Yeah, no Gary Payton. Oh, nine minutes. Were those all at the end? Cause I don't really remember him playing in the first half. Let me double-check that. But anyway, the Warriors beat the Lakers 127-100. to 100 and, But the Lakers took care of business overall, even though you did not do what you came to do in terms of the second game. You didn't put any pressure on them to win the game. They rested their starters the whole fourth quarter. Now, granted, so did the Lakers, but when you rest them in a win, it means a lot more. So credit to them. Yeah, I don't remember Gary Payton getting in in the first half. Don't believe he did. So... That was an adjustment, too, and it's because he hadn't shot well. So credit to Steve Kerr for making his adjustments, and now we'll see how the Lakers respond. Also, as I said, Draymond Green on Anthony Davis. Now let's move on to the Celtics and the Sixers. So in this game, funny enough, I thought the Celtics blew them out from the start to finish, but that wasn't the case. The Sixers started out decently with James Harden, I wanted to see what adjustment the Celtics made. You knew they weren't going to go drop coverage. A lot more switching. And I have to say this. Al Horford did a much better job this time. And the Celtics did a really good job scrambling. In the beginning, the Sixers got a couple of shots made, especially with Maxi, who was awesome in transition and really good hitting the three ball. But overall, the Celtics closed the first quarter well led by Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown, who was just, you could see the look in his eye. He was not to be denied. Really good on-ball defense on Harden from start to finish and attacking the basket, hitting the three ball, looking for his shot. But I have to say we saw the return of Joel Embiid, the MVP. I haven't talked about that on an episode, but congrats to Embiid. Thoroughly deserved. I thought he should have won last year, but I had no problems with Jokic winning it. However, I see his case over Jokic because of how much better defense he plays. But over Giannis in the regular season, I don't really get it personally because Giannis' stats were better and the record. I think both of their teams' records were pretty good without either, honestly. But Giannis' team was the first seed, and his defense is just as good, if not better. Embiid's more skilled, but the stats don't say that. And Giannis hasn't had a fully healthy Middleton all season. I didn't see the case for Embiid or Giannis, but it just felt like, and this is not to hate, but it felt like to me it's Embiid's turn. And it was a, I did not think the vote was going to be that lopsided. It was like 72-15-10. That's a lot. I thought it was one of the closest races of my life. I didn't know who was the MVP. I thought all three of them were deserving. I mean, what Jokic did was insane. But, you know, it, there were some really weird things about the MVP race this year. You know, saying that Jokic winning the third MVP while the other guys did it when they had rings—you know, Wilt, Larry, and uh, Bill—and also when Kendrick Perkins brought race into it, that was that made it very controversial. So, congrats to Embiid. It was a weird MVP race, probably the most competitive of my life—not my life, but of my time watching basketball. 06 was pretty good though, but this is the first time where I was not really clear on my choice. Last year I was fairly clear on my choice, and it was the first time in my time watching basketball besides 06 that I didn't get my choice. But congrats to Embiid. He didn't play well though. He was completely rusty. And Grant Williams played a lot more minutes in this game. Not Sam Hauser. Uh, Sam Hauser was getting targeted in the action a lot in game one. You saw Grant Williams play to guard Embiid and have you know his strength out there. And Embiid wasn't getting whatever he wanted. And it wasn't just single coverage, obviously. Celtics loaded up on him, double teamed him, threw multiple looks at him. But there were times where it was Marcus Smart one-on-one in the post or against him at the foul line. And other times, Grant Williams, they did a great job of, like, pulling the chair, just standing their ground, making him turn. And Embiid was, like, losing his balance left and right. It just did not look like him. He was holding the ball too long. And the longer the game went on, the celtics their desperation very similar to the warriors tonight their desperation you could see it in their effort in their you know going for loose balls in jalen brown 's attacking the basket. And in this one, the Celtics shot 39% from three. They shot a lot more threes than last game. 20 for 51. So they got them up there. Sixers were six for 30, just 20% and 39% from the field. So as I said, after the first quarter, it was just 28-22. Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown leading a 10-4 run to end the quarter. Second quarter, only 29-27. So they were up 57 to... I'm sorry. Yeah, 57 to 49 at halftime, the Celtics were. And in the third quarter, they blew it open, winning that quarter 35 to 16. Malcolm Brogdon, another very, very solid game off the bench, to say the least. Good on both ends of the floor, hitting his open shots. And I have to say, the Sixers were pathetic as well. They didn't make their life tough at all. They didn't make their lives tough at all. They let him get an easy dub where they got to chill in the fourth quarter. Same thing as the Lakers. No good. That's not good for momentum. Brogdon, 23 points and six boards on seven for 15 shooting, six for 10 from deep. Jesus Christ. He was feeling it. And Grant Williams, 12 points, four rebounds, and four assists on four for eight shooting. All his shots were threes. So if Grant Williams can go back to shooting that well from three again like he was last year in the playoffs, uh uh-oh, because his defense is good. The starters, Al Horford only shot two for 10, but I thought he had a really good defensive game. 5.7 rebounds. They were switching him on to even guys like Harden more so, and he was more so than game one, and he was holding his own. Jason Tatum, only 19 minutes, shot terribly. One for seven, but you know what? He was letting the other guys eat. And I respect that. He realized he didn't have it. He let them eat, and he still played defense. He was a plus 24, which was the highest of anybody in the entire game. So it's not coincidence, but he only played 19 minutes. However, that's why plus minus is bogus. He didn't play the best of any Celtic just because of that. You know who did play great, though? Marcus Smart and Derek White, each with 15 points. Derek White was 5 for 9 from the field and 3 for 6 from deep. Marcus Smart was 7 for 14 from the field, only 1 for 4 from deep, doing a really good job hitting those floaters, hitting the in-between game, getting to the basket. Marcus Smart. Really solid performance overall. But Jalen Brown, for me, led the way. He's been really good in these playoffs. 25 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists on 9 for 17 shooting and 3 for 6 from deep, 4 of 4 from the line. The Celtics only 6 turnovers. They did a much better job taking care of the ball. That was a huge difference because they won it. 121 to 87. They had 26 assists to the Sixers. 13 And, yeah, that was it. They led by as many as 36 in the game. They won by 34 to tie the series at one. As for the Sixers, Joel Embiid, 4 for 9 from the field, 15 points in just 27 minutes. He was awful, in my opinion, even though he had good good defensive plays, 5 blocks. Tobias Harris, 16 points, 7 boards on 7 for 12 shooting and 2 for 5 from 3 three so he continues to have very efficient games james harden though 12 and 10 10 rebounds but two for 14 from the field and 0 for six from deep he just didn't have it and the sixers got nothing from the bench niang one for four mcdaniels one for four reed was you know six points eight boards he wasn't bad Maxie started out good but 13 points on 6 for 14 from the field and 1 for 4 from deep. Just wasn't their game. They got completely outworked, out-hustled, out, hustled, out Celtics were the better team. I think they are the better team. And they played with a sense of desperation. And they tie the series at 1. Now, I'm done for the night. Uh, I'm going to go to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super chats are turned on if they want to drop a dollar or a dime. Only 18 people. This has been the most... I don't want to say empty, but lowest attendance for live in the last couple of weeks. Lakers fans in the mud tonight, I guess. And no Clipper fans really care anymore, it seems. And I don't think I have as many Warrior fans as I thought, maybe. I don't know. But big wins for the Celtics and the Warriors to tie the series. The Sixers and the Lakers did not come out and make life tough at all. But we will be live. Actually, I don't know. Tomorrow's a Friday night. I don't think I'm going to be live at Cinco de Mayo. Tough. That's tough. That's tough. Well, Saturday, I think we'll probably be live on Saturday. We'll just do all of them on Saturday. How about that? How about that? Peace out, y'all. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super chats are turned on if you want to jump a dollar or a dime. Peace.